All righty. Thank you, Lord. The Lord's good. I'm going to be talking to you about God and the Word of His grace. Amen. God and the Word of His grace. Uh, and we will get to actually get to that scripture that actually says that in a, in a couple minutes, a few minutes. First, I want to make, you know, just uh, share a couple of things with you to kind of, kind of, so you can sort of understand, you know, about having spiritual experiences. How many would like to have a spiritual experience? A couple people do. Awesome. God takes us into His world so that we might know Him better in this world. Everybody, did you get that? That's what a spiritual experience is all about. Is God introduces us into the spiritual realm, lets us have revelatory or prophetic dreams or whatever, so we can know Him better in this world. That's really the real bottom line for all of that kind of thing. And so those things are meant to help us to be able to practically live here. Okay? Because we are living here still. And so any kind of encounter we have, God really wants to enable us to be able to practically live it out on this, on this earth. Now, one of the great examples in the Bible was when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Remember that? Jesus went up on this mountain and he was, was glorified by, by the Father. He, he, was, he was in his glorified form. And, and Peter and those guys actually saw Jesus and, and heard, you know, heard the Father speak from heaven. And But then, after that experience was over with, it says they went down the mountain and there was a terrible situation going down there. His disciples were trying to cast a demon out of a young boy that was trying to kill the boy. And they couldn't cast the demon out. So, you know, the Lord allows us to have these experiences so we can know Him better. But they're... The experiences in the encounters with the Lord are not an end to themselves. Do you follow what I'm saying? They're meant to, to really release something in us to be able to walk in this world and release the things that we get in the heavenly places. So we have assignments from the Lord, you know, in the spiritual world, but we also have assignments from the Lord in the natural world. Are y'all following that? Um... How many people know who Eugene Peterson is? Anybody know about the Message Bible? Yeah, it's a great Bible. But Eugene wrote a book uh, in the 90s called The Contemplative Pastor. That's the name of the book. And somebody said, Byron, you should really read this book. Okay? I don't really read many books, but I never hardly read a book all the way through because the publisher's dirty secret is most books are not worth re- finishing. <laughs> they really, that's what a... Thomas Nelson Publisher, CEO, said most books are not worth finishing. And I think it's true if you notice, but I'm not going to pick on book, people who write books. It's just make them end sooner. Drop the last quarter from them. But I did read Eugene's book all the way through because remember Anne of Green Gables? Anybody ever watch that show? Everybody's watched that show. Well, she talks about this kindred spirit in Anne of Green Gables. She was always looking for this kindred spirit. Well, believe it or not, I found a kindred spirit in Eugene Peterson when I read that book. I, I was amazed. I thought, this guy, I think like this guy. I think I approach my spiritual life like this guy approaches it. Now, he does come from a different perspective, a different stream of Christianity, which there are some differences, but just his whole concept of spirituality and just the very name of the book, Contemplative Pastor, 
about, Eugene said this very powerful thing. He said, the reason I'm a pastor is to introduce people to the real world. He's talking about the spiritual realm. He ain't talking about this, okay? And train them how to live from this real world, in this real world. Isn't that a powerful statement? So I believe that should be the job of every pastor. Not only the job of every pastor, I think it should be the job of every Christian. That God has called us to really understand that His world and to know Him in, this, in His world, but also be able to live in this world and help other people know that world. And so that's really what the Lord has been doing in my life for a long time, actually, but in the last few years, even more, last 10 years or so, it's really increased. Um, so I wanted to share just a couple of th- spots from that also is one thing about revelatory experiences, there's always timing attached to them, okay? And if you really read the parables and, and really you read all of Jesus' talks and teachings that he did, inherit in every one of those was this background thing called time, okay? Think about it. So we went out to sow. I mean, well, everybody knows seed doesn't come over overnight. And so there's this aspect of timing that all believers stumble over. And so we've, I've been there in my own personal experience and watching other people and their experiences with the Lord is having these wonderful encounters with the Lord, having these wonderful experiences, dreams, vision, whatever, words from the Lord, and then stumble all over it because it didn't happen when they thought it was going to happen. And, and there's a disappointment and discouragement that sets into people, you know, but Hebrews 6.12 says it is through faith and patience that we obtain the promises, faith and patience. And I think that was one of the, you know, greatest teachings that Rick Joyner has ever really given uh, when he talked about there's a great faith movement out there, but there's not a great patience movement. You know? But if we're going to have the promises of God, we are going to have to, you know, we're going to have to learn about the issues of timing from the Lord's perspective and learn, you know, that, that time is important to God and, one of the things that I learned about the time, that time, when it comes to the spiritual stuff, is time really is a gift from God. Um, because most of the time, when God gives a revelation or God gives something, we are not at the place where we can really fully understand it. What He's really saying, what He's really revealing. There's things that the Lord gave me over ten years ago that now I'm just coming into to a true understanding of what he was trying to tell me 10 years ago. I mean, pretty, pretty intense stuff. And it was because I didn't have the wisdom of God, the grace of God, the knowledge of, of, of the Lord that I, have, that I have now, that I had then. And I can, I can see things completely different now. And I'm beginning to see that things that he was revealing, things that he was showing, were not what I thought they were. And so that's why I say time is a gift. It's a gift from God for Him to cultivate that in our lives and grow that in our lives. As much as we hate it, it really is a gift. You know, we, we really do all need to grow in interpretation and application of things that God reveals to us. I mean, hopefully you could go back and, uh, well, I think I can go back to messages I preached a year ago and I would disagree with some of the things I said in a year ago. Why? Because I was less mature as a believer a year ago 
And God has revealed more to me in the last year. He's grown me more. I think that's the way it, way it should be. In fact, there's probably a few messages on the West I'd like to go and get them out. You know, it's like, I totally agree with the whole message. It was all wrong. The heart of it was, probably. So, I think also a lot of these encounters you have with the Lord really are invitations from the Lord. They're inviting you into something. There's this potential for you. But there's no guarantee the potential is going to be realized. See, a lot of people think a lot of stuff with God is automatic. Okay? A few things are automatic with the Lord, but not everything is automatic. Not everything that God says to you personally is going to automatically happen. There's an invitation from the Lord for you to, to participate in it. Just because a man and woman get married don't automatically mean they're going to have children. They have to do something to have children. Right? Yeah, I mean, you know, they don't, just because you have a marriage certificate that says you're married does not mean babies are going to come. I mean, come on. Just because you have a Bible full of promises don't mean... You see what I'm saying? There has to be something, an, an engagement that happens. or something else. And I think God wants to teach us that. One of the things I've seen in a lot of the, the, the parables and stuff that Jesus does in terms of time, and he, it's like he, he plants something in people. Okay? And then he begins to try to cultivate that in their life, get them to engage him with the promise or the revelation or the, whatever it was. And, and then he comes back and looks for the fruit. And, and, and sometimes when he don't find the fruit, he, you know, thinks about it. You know? Sometimes, this is, a, this is another thing that's really just stunned me at times, is God speaks to you, He reveals something, He puts in your life, and it grows in you, and you begin to bear fruit in your life, and there's life coming out of you. And then God comes in and prunes you. And, and it just, it's just the most devastating thing in the world because you, the first thought that you have in your mind is, what have I done wrong? You know what I'm saying? What, what did I do, Lord? Did I make you mad? What, have I fallen into some kind of error in my life? And it's like, no, you're doing everything I want you to do. And this is what you get? <laughs> Have you ever had those? In game? It's, it's a rough time to go through pruning. But Jesus actually said that He wants you to bear fruit. And He's going to, He wants you to bear, to bear more fruit. So He's going to prune you. He, he loves that. You ever, you know, I've pruned some bushes back pretty hard and didn't think they were going to make it. I've felt that time. I don't think I'm going to make it, Lord. You just took me down too low. It's very humiliating to be pruned. It's very humiliating to have a season in your life when God, when you're fruitful and there's an anointing, there's a blessing, and then God just, just cuts you off to the ground. It's a humiliating thing. But it's really that God is saying, there's more. I have more of this. I have more. You know, what you thought you had, there's a much greater thing that I want to give you. And so we go through those times, and those are really, really healthy times. To be, and these are just some some thoughts about Revelation because I wanted to share a dream I had uh, that I had three years ago, and it's I think the dream's really important for now. Even though for three years ago I didn't I didn't really couldn't really figure out how this dream applied. I mean, it was a great dream. It was a great dream to talk about. It was a great dream to tell people about. But I just didn't know where it was where it was fitting and where it was going. You, you understand what I'm saying? Most revelations from the Lord really are awesome to talk about. You know? 
I mean, they really are. But some of them, you just like, well, where does this fit in life? I mean, and this, that's the way this dream was. But the dream was that I went to heaven. And I didn't see anybody in heaven. I've, been, I've had some dreams where I've been in heaven. I've seen, I've seen my daddy. I've talked to my daddy in heaven. I've talked to my daughter in heaven. But this time I saw nobody. I saw not a soul in heaven. I didn't see God. I didn't see any angels. But one thing I saw is I saw miles and miles of rivers and streams. And this incredible joy filled my heart of what I was seeing. And I was very ex- excited about being able to see for miles because I don't see very far. Uh, you know, I've actually been in the wide and people in there know me and I don't have my glasses on and like, wow, you stuck up or something? Like, sorry, but you know, you were 20 feet away. I couldn't... Your face is a blur. <laughs> I had to have somebody to watch my golf balls for me, like, or I'll never find them if they happen to go off the, off the court. I hit them, and like, I hope it's down there. Well, I thought I aimed. And so I was so blessed in that dream that I could see for miles, you know. But the truth is, in heaven, there's no distance like they are here. Amen? That's, that's glorious. But I was, I was feeling something about these, these rivers at the time that was really powerful, and... I wanted to read a couple of scriptures to you about these rivers. Uh, the first one is Revelations 22, verse 1. It says, He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. So in heaven, there is a very real river that comes from God's throne. And it says, of the Lamb. And I've really seen this, this, this thing. And the Lord spoke to me years ago. I've shared it with you. Where the Lord said, the rivers of life were released in the earth the day Jesus was pierced in his side when the blood and water came out of his side and spilled onto the ground. That's when the, the river of life hit earth for the first time. That's kind of important, isn't it? And so these rivers are flowing in heaven, and they're also flowing on the earth. They're invisible. You can't see them, but they're very real. Now, Psalms 46, uh, verse 4 and 5, it says, There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God. See, that's why I felt this incredible gladness, this incredible joy in my heart when I saw these rivers, because that's the thing in, the, in heaven that makes the city of God happy and joyful and gladness it's the Holy Spirit River. It's because, well, that's what the rivers really are. If you didn't know it, it's the, it's the Spirit. Jesus says that. It's this, so this, these rivers make heaven happy. That's why heaven's a glad place. It's because this, these rivers and these streams are there. But there's something that happens in the verse 5. You know, that's what it says. And then it, it subtly shifts the scene from heaven to earth. Verse 4 is in heaven. Verse 5 is on earth. God is in the midst of her. Not God is in the midst of the river, but God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. See, there's nothing in heaven that's going to cause people to be moved. I mean, that's not even an issue in heaven, right? But there's stuff on earth. So we're, in, we're on the earth now. She, being the body of Christ, being the church, she shall not be moved. It's the river. It's the river coming into the church. 
The river and the natural water is the most unstable thing there is. As far as nobody can stand on water, you can't build on water, you can't, you, know, you can't do a lot of things on water except swim in it and drink it and fish in it, right? You can produce electricity with it. Okay? That's another, another story. She shall not move me. God shall, shall help her just at the break of dawn. That's a very powerful statement. God shall help her. God shall help the church. And he's talking to us in context of a church where the river of God exists. Now, I personally believe, I've been in churches where there's a, there was a river in them churches, and nobody in that church had a clue there was a river there, not a soul in the church. In other words, it was there, it was available, but people couldn't discern it, people couldn't access it. And if somebody in the church happened to access it, and got all glad because they found something spiritual there, they were shut down. You know? In other words, you can't get in the river in this church because we don't believe in such things. And so that's a, sort of a dangerous position for churches to take, I think. Anyways, um, this river um, has a lot of different manifestations because it says streams. Now, Jesus, here's what Jesus said. Let's look at John 7, 38. Are y'all, are y'all tracking with me? He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of his heart was, was flow living waters. When I was up there in that dream in heaven, this voice said behind me, this is what the voice said, heaven was never meant to stay here. That's what it said. Heaven was never meant to stay here. And so what God has done is he has taken heaven and put it in us in the form of the rivers that Jesus spoke about. That's why, it, and that's the vessel that the river is supposed to come out of is us. It's our hearts. It's supposed to be released out of our hearts. That's why God calls us into encounters to begin to experience the spiritual world, understand the spiritual world, so we can release it out of us. Okay? A lot of people don't engage in that, but that's really the way the Christian life is meant to be lived. Period. There's no argument with that. I would, you know, I wouldn't even argue with the person about it. I'd just tell them, you know, whatever, you know. So um, one of the manifestations of the river, though, in particular, is, you know, there's different there's different kinds. There's healing rivers. There's prophetic rivers, and there's a grace river. Okay, a grace river. Everybody say grace river. Okay, that Grace River is really, I think, is really important. See, this is what the Lord was trying to show me back in 2000 and whatever it was, three or so years ago. And I really couldn't, I couldn't under, really understand what He was trying to show me in this, in this dream, really. But this is what, uh, back in 2000, I'm, I'm, hold that thought. Back in about 2001, uh, Becky had this dream, another dream. Man, you're, we just have some dreams, don't we? The whole man was dream dreams. Young women, yeah, we just haven't, we're into that, right? Yeah, amen, thank you. Uh, and, this, and she saw this river, she saw the Grace River in a dream. This is the first time we ever found out about this Grace River. We didn't know anything about the Grace River at all. She had a dream, and this is what she said. This, the river is so beautiful it takes your breath away. That's, that's the Grace River. It is a very deep sapphire blue color. Same uh, river, Marlon brought, found this scripture in Numbers where the, where the men of God went up with Moses and had a meal with each other in the presence of God on this sapphire floor, right? Numbers somewhere. It's in there. 
they were eating on this river. That was what Becky was seeing. She was seeing that river that comes out of the throne of God. Okay, that's there. Just, she says, it's a very deep sapphire blue color. It has the power to draw you into it. Now, when she was looking at this river, she felt drawn to it. She thought it was pulling on her. You know, deep calls to deep. Something in her was registering with something she was seeing, and it was pulling on her. So that, that's one thing about this river that's really important. It has the power to draw you into it, but it's also very dangerous. It's very dangerous. See, the Holy Spirit River is a very dangerous river. People don't realize it. One of the greatest gifts that has been given to mankind, apart from the Lord, but just in the natural, is electricity. Wouldn't you say that? I mean, just go without power for a day. You know, on a cold day or a hot summer day. You're thinking, what? You know, but it can kill you. It can kill you. I know, I knew people who have been, who've been electrocuted, working on electrical stuff. Back when I was in the electrical engineer world, we would have these. We would go into these plants uh, where people who didn't really know what they were doing, messing with electricity and wiring stuff up. And when you go in, and you're like, "This is a death trap. This is what this. You know, you got to get everybody away. Don't let anybody touch any of this stuff. They're going to die. People are going to. They had people who died literally because the way they mess. They, electricity has rules. Disobey the rule." It's going to get you. Well, this Grace River is such a dangerous river because it has a life of its own. It has power of its own. If you study rivers in the natural river, you know, cities are built around rivers because, it bring, you know, there's so much commerce that can be brought by rivers. Uh, it actually changes the environment. The environment around rivers are changed. Uh, there's fertile soil around rivers. Um, it causes it to rain around. There's more rain around rivers. Uh, the Amazon River, which is the largest river in the world and the most powerful river, I said 50 miles in the first service that where it exits out into the Atlantic Ocean, it's actually 200 miles into the Atlantic Ocean you can get fresh water. 200 miles. Now, you ain't going to mess with a force. That's, that means it's pushing against the force of the ocean. I don't know exactly. I know water weighs 8 point something you know, a gallon of water is eight point something. So that's that kind of force it's got to overcome for every gallon of water it's pushing against. Can you how many gallons of water it's pushing against out 200 miles that it has to overcome in power? I'll tell you, Grace is that like that. The Grace River is a very powerful and dangerous river that's going to have its way in the last day. Okay, and the Lord told me, this is what he told me when I, after I came out of that dream. He says, in the last days, the river of grace will come in fullness like electricity. Okay? Okay? It's going to be, it's a gift from heaven, but it's dangerous. That's what he said to me. He said that there going to be the, there's going to be a preaching of the cross with incredible power being released in the earth. Preaching of the cross with incredible power. It's the mark 16, 15 through 18 power where the gospel message is preached and there's true signs and wonders that are following the message. It's going everywhere that message. We haven't seen that yet. We've talked about it all our Christian lives, but we've seen a little here, a little there. But there's going to be some power that's going to get released. And we're going to be in all of this power. We are, the churches. And I believe God is saying, I'm going to release it to the church first because y'all need to hear the gospel again. Y'all need to experience the power of this, the life-altering, changing power of this gospel message again and i believe we're going to get a fresh revelation on on this that's going to be absolutely remarkable and uh in the dream uh the voice that i heard i don't know if i said this the voice the person that was talking to me, i never saw the person 
or whatever it was, but was, he was behind me. He was talking behind me, telling me stuff. And this is, what, this is another thing he said. He said, humans are created with the capacity to contain heaven within them. Humans are, in other words, God created everybody in this room with the ability to walk around with heaven in us, with this dangerous river in us that, that needs to be released out of us. Everybody has the capacity. Everybody has the ability. God created man like that. Okay, and when His Spirit of God gets in us and gets released up into our soul rim and get and bust out, things are going to really happen. I really believe that. Um, let me read. Let's read uh, Ephesians five twenty six through twenty seven. There's also a cleansing coming. Okay, there's a cleansing on the church. Okay, the body of Christ, is, this water is going to wash us in a way we've never been washed. This grace river, where it's going to wash over us. It says that, that, it's talking about the church here, it's in context of marriage and all this good stuff, that he might sanctify me and set apart and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. The word, the word he's talking about that is that grace river. There's just going to be this washing that's going to come on us that's going to completely change us. And completely alter us. Okay? Let's go to verse 27. That he might present her, being us, to himself a glory. And not only are we going to be washed, not only are we going to be cleansed, there's a glory that's going to come on us because of this grace river. I mean, the glory of God, the visible, I believe, I am 100% sold out to the visible, manifest glory of God on the body of Christ. I believe that's going to happen. I believe it's going to happen on certain... Some people are going to carry it. Some churches are going to carry it. We could be one of them. We could be that person. I'm, I'm bidding for that. I, you know, hey, is, is there a line to get in for the glory to rest on? Is there a line for churches to get in for the glory? I'm in that line. Okay, if there's a line, I'm in it. If there's a... You know, if, if, you know we're, we're being, that's being handed out. I promise you... I'm going to be there because that's the, 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 that's the showstopper. That's the change-up. That's the thing where everything is going to turn on that. And it's going to happen. And people, the evangelism is going to be unprecedented. I'm telling you, the event, this is what the Lord told me back in the late night. He told me this. He was speaking to me when he said, Byron, I am, this is in the late night. I'm going to give you an evangelistic message that is going to be very powerful. And I thought, Wow! You're going to give me an evangelist? Imagine what the evangelists are going to carry. If I, I am going to get a powerful message, they're going to get a message that's going to be unprecedented. That when, and the sense I had is when that word, when you release that, people will be just, they'll be knocking you down to get saved. It won't be begging people to get saved because the glory and power of God is going to be revealed because of the grace river that's flowing in the church. The grace river. The dangerous, powerful river that is in heaven that's been released on the earth that's looking for a place. Now, one of the things that I really believe is been, that needs to be emphasized is righteousness of Christ, you know, it's, which means right standing. That's right relationship with God. That's what righteousness means, by the way, if you didn't know that. It doesn't, even, doesn't have nothing to do with what you do. It means your right relationship. It's when Christ has become our righteousness, we are in right relationship. Every Christian in this room is righteous right now. It has nothing to do with your outward experience, although it will affect your outward experience. But then there's this other thing called holiness. 
which is a whole other animal. A lot of people mix the two up. They're different things. They differ. Th- things go. Holiness means to be set apart. Now he's talking about a body of Christ. He's talking about a people who are set apart. Okay, that's holy. It ain't it has nothing to do. You may be a, you may be kind of messed up a little bit and be holy. I promise you, you can be righteous and be messed up. And I promise you that. You know. But I'll tell you this: there's a there's a when we talk about holy, we're talking about people who are set. God set them apart for something. You see, that's something that's that's intimacy. Intimacy. That's going another level with God. That's not just oh, I'm the righteous because I'm blessed. I'm going to heaven. I you know I'm going to church. I'm giving here. I'm doing that. No, it's something like you know what? I'm gonna have something even greater of God. God's invited me into His very you know chambers. I'm going I'm going there. That's what a bride does, right? A bride don't just hang around out there in the front yard playing in the leaves, right? They go into the secret place with their, their mate. How much has the church has done that? See, God's calling the church to be holy. A few years ago, God dropped a holy column in this church. Okay? He dropped it out of heaven. Boom. I didn't know what it meant then. I just figured it out recently. Oh, God has set this church apart for Himself. That's what he did. He did that in 2000. He, I, I set this church apart for myself. That's what he did. We were thinking it meant this or that. I'm just telling you, the, the wisdom you gain when you down the road a little bit, it was no fire. It meant none of that. had nothing to do with anything but one thing. I set this church apart. This church is mine for intimacy. This church is mine to be with me. That's a powerful revelation. It said, the person who saw this, they said when it came, it hit, dust flew everywhere. You know, it went, bam! And the dust is clear out of the way. Everything is clear. The dust, speaking of the earth, the world, the, all this stuff, it just ran from the presence. You know, isn't that powerful? And when you begin to think about this, the things that God had said, duh, you know, you're just dumb as a lug, you know, about some of this stuff. And, Lord, thank you for the time. That's why I say time's a gift. Suddenly God trains you like, hey, you want to know about that column? I got it wrote down on a piece of paper. I've kept it in there for years. What does that really mean, Lord? The person who had it, I said, write it down for me. I got it in the drawer in there. Every few months I'll say, what does that mean, Lord? What does that I, I don't want to hear about, you know, Holy Roller Joe's thought. I want to hear from you. What does that mean? You know, the Bible also tells us in Romans chapter 5, I think verse 21 or something like that, maybe verse, you know, something in that neighborhood, about righteousness and grace, you're able to rule and reign in this life. See, that's the river. God's made you righteousness. He's going to release this power river to you where you can rule and reign in this life. That means you rule and reign over yourself first, your own heart, your own feelings, everything. Then you can rule around the things that are placed where God's given you authority to walk in. See, this is what God's really wanting to do in a new way and in a fresh way. Um, I'm about ready to be done here, huh? How y'all doing? So, so this is what the Lord showed me about grace. He said, Byron, you've got a revelation of grace that's right here. See, here's the truth. A lot of people have a revelation. If you're a Christian, you've got a revelation of grace, right? You've got the grace of salvation. Hey, people in the world have grace. It rains. On them, the sun shines. That's grace. That's what the Bible says. But there's other grace. Oh, the church is full of people who don't have any level of revelation of grace besides, well, I got saved. Well, amen, that's a good one, but that's entry. 
Peter says, the manifold grace of God. The manifold grace. Of, in other words, there's all these different aspects. There's all these different levels of grace. So when the Lord released that river, see, we had a decision to make. When Becky told me about that, we had a decision to make. Okay? Here was the decision. We believe God wants to give us that. Are we going to accept that? Even though it meant nothing really to us other than, well, yeah, grace is great. That's a cool thing. It's nice. It's beautiful. All these things. But we realized there's something more to this grace thing. And we made a real decision, a conscious decision. We're going with grace. That's what we decided. We decided we're going to do this. And when we did, it was like there was a door, a door of the crack in it. And it's like somebody came and just kicked the door open. That <laughs> Somebody was a Lord. Keep the door. And this light began to shine in to our hearts. And we began to really see grace like we had never seen it before. And this is the truth. I was at a point when, just before that that I was thinking, you know what, I think I'm done being a pastor because I don't really like doing I'm tired of this. This is killing me. I'm tired of trying to carry this. I'm trying, tired of this, tired of that. And the moment I received that revelation of grace, I got free, totally freed in my heart from having to do this. So I, literally, this is what I told I used to walk up to this church and I look at this building and go, oh, because I felt like I was trying to carry something that I couldn't carry. It didn't fit. It wasn't mine to carry. That's why Jesus said, if, you're, if you are weary and hairy laden, just come unto me. My yoke is easy. My burden's light. Hook up with me. Just hook up with me. You can pretend, you can act like you're carrying this thing but I'm really caring. You're just hanging out with me. And so that's what grace to me. If you want to get down, just, just hang out with the Lord and Him's doing stuff. And He's doing all this stuff. And you're just sort of with Him with it. Like, yeah. Oh, that was a great message. Hey, that was great. That was really great. It was an awesome message. That was good, Lord. Actually, they think I did that. But that had nothing to do with me other than I'm just hanging out with you. And so you learn how to hang out with the Lord. And you learn that it's the Lord's power and strength that everything rises and falls on. And He wants that kind of a relationship with people. That's what grace really is. It's walking with Jesus. It's being coupled with Him. Now, you had to grow in grace. Peter also said, grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord. That's been a growth process for me. I'm still growing. Like I said, the Lord's saying, you're down here. And I got this thing I want to release now. I want to take you from here to here. I'm, I'm like, I'm in, Lord. I'm really in. Are y'all good? So, um, let's just read that, Acts 20, verse 32. So, I'm excited about this, honestly. See, what I found out, we're talking to people that are really good people and real spiritual people, they don't track with you. Sometimes you stop tracking with people because they're talking another, they're talking to, like they're talking another language, okay? You ever been around like that? They're talking another language. And, and so you can say the, you can say the right words, but you can read, if you're smart, well, not smart, but if you're discerning, you can look behind the words of why, what are they, what's really going on? And you find that it's because they're just struggling in their life. They're just struggling to be a good Christian. They're struggling to do the things that God wants them to do. Everything's a struggle. They're struggling to stay married. They're str 
you know, that's the secret of having a good marriage is a revelation of grace because then you can love that person and treat that person because you've got a power working in your life. It's a, if, if, if a man is tempted to, to stray, that the revelation of grace is the way to stay out of it. You know, it's like, you know, the flesh is always going to be messed up, right? Jesus says, it's the spirit that quickens the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and life, right? Are y'all good with that? Anyway, the Lord's going to, see, the Lord's going to bring us into a new place with the Grace River being released in a fresh way. You have a decision to make. You have a decision to make. Will you get in that river, or will you sit back and not get in it, or just play on the shores? That's, that's always our decision. I'm in, Lord. Acts 20, verse 32. This is Paul's. I think we should have a leadership meeting, and let me go through just Acts 20, so we can all understand what being a good leader is all about, because Acts 20, Paul's talking here. This is sort of the end of his talk to the Ephesian elders. These are the elders of the church at Ephesus, in the New Testament, the greatest revival recorded in the New Testament was at the church of Ephesus. If you study it, you'll see it. Better than Pentecost. Right? Books were burned. People were getting saved. Demons were coming out of people on an unprecedented citywide level. And it became the largest church in the New Testament. It was a big, huge church. Thousand, you know, maybe 50,000 people, maybe more than that. That was a big church back in those days because there weren't that many people. It's a big church in these days. This move of God. And so he, here's Paul. Paul the Apostle had went there and taught those people and, and, and pled with this and did all this stuff with them, you know, worked with them for a few years. And then he's got this revelation from God to go to Jerusalem. And he said this, this is what's going to happen. I'm never going to see you again. I'm never going to see your face again. You'll never hear another teaching of mine because there's no podcast yet. Right? My books have not hit the, hit the market yet. It'll be a few years before the printing press is, is completed, and then you can read my letters. In other words, you'll never hear another thing from Paul the Apostle for the rest of your life. And they all fell. It says they wept over him because they loved him. He had lived among them. He, he had poured himself out. He had given it all. That's what he said. I gave everything I have to you. I didn't hold back nothing. And I have a clear conscience. You know, I have a pure thought in my heart. And so he was telling them goodbye. And he went through this whole big speech with them, warned them about some things. You know, this is what's going to happen. This is the way deal, the deal works. You need to pay attention to this, pay attention to that. If you're good, if you want to be a leader, read that. He tells you some great secrets. But then at the very end, at the end of his speech, he said, but this is what I'm going to leave you great people with. I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace. I'm putting you in that. I'm leaving that. That's, that's the best thing I can leave you. It's better than me. That's what he was saying. I commend you to God. He could have just as well said, I commend you to God and the river of His grace. Could have been the same words, same thing. And then he says, which is able to build you up. Build you up. This is what that word means in the Bible. Build you up. It means to renovate, to, to, to rebuild, to refurbish. In other words, Paul was saying this. Babies, there are storms coming your way. There is difficulties coming your way. And you, the picture was like a house. 
A bad storm came and some shingles got lost. A tree might have fell and hit the house. And it needs some fixing. You're going to need some fixing. I'm going to need some fixing in this life. I'm going to need some healing. I'm going to need some deliverance. I'm going to need something. I'm going to need some renovation. I'm going to need some renewal. I'm going to need some revival because I live in a world that's pounding on me constantly. And he says, this is how you get it. It's the Word of His grace. The Word of His grace will bring that into your life and fix you and heal you. Fix your mind. Fix your heart. Fix it all. You'll feel like life again. You'll look new again. You'll be a new person. That would be good, wouldn't it? You'll be vibrant and alive in the Spirit. Isn't that awesome? You know, every move of God that we've ever had has been because of the river of grace. Every move that I bet if we could really go back and really get down into the details of what God has done in the earth, we would find this little unknown, unheralded fact that there was a river from heaven that came and one or two or three or a hundred or a thousand people said, I'm going to get in that river and something happened. I bet you, I bet you you could find it if you really could figure out how to research it. We could testify to that in this church. That's why God's saying He wants to bring another one, another fresh. People need to be renovated. People need to be refurbished. People need to be rebuilt because life is hard. Bad things happen. But God has an answer for the world all this. He really does. It's the word of His grace. You know, I can tell when I'm outside of walking in grace. This is what I feel like inside. <clears throat> you know, impatient, frustrated, everything's negative. It's like, wait a minute. No, that's true. You know what I do? I'm sorry, Lord. Just step back over. That's how you do it. You step out. You just step back in. It's because the door is, he holds, he holds the door open for you to the grace ring. It's like, oh, you stepped out. Oh, you'll come back. You know, you get used to things. You get used to certain things, and you don't feel them so much. But when you're out of them, you know it. Let me tell you two more things. Okay, first of all, this. That, that song, Burn for You, that was really important from the Lord. And what they were saying about it was really the truth. Did y'all get that? No matter how you feel, you're burning. If you, you got the burn, you got the fire in you. In fact, I want to tell you this. There's, if you're not a Christian, this is the truth. I got the fire before I accepted Christ as my Savior. This, this, I figured it out finally. I thought, that's what happened to me. This is what happened to me. I was out of my mind on drugs and alcohol one night. And I was in a car with a girl, and the world was spinning, and I was getting sick. And I, I thought, I'm fixing to throw up, and it's going to splatter all over the windshield of the car. And I was thinking, God, please don't let this happen to me, because it would have been humiliating plus nasty. <laughs> it would have been a bad thing. And this, what happened to me? This fire came on me, and I was, went from that terrible state to 100% sober and in my right mind. And I was burning, and I was scared, and I said, just take me home. 
I got to go home. Just take me home. No discussion. Just I got to get out of here. I got to go figure out what just happened to me. This is not natural. This is weird. There's something bad happened to me. Nobody should be feeling this way. I, I was really messed up. I'd done a lot of drugs that night. I was real. Something's wrong with me. That's what I was saying. Well, I didn't receive the Lord at that moment. But you know what I did? For three months... I had this question in my mind. Where did God come from? I had this fire that had gotten into me. And I kept reading the Bible trying to figure out where, where did you come from? Where did you come? And I kept I reading Genesis like, okay, I can believe you created all this stuff, but who, where did, who got you? And it was like the unanswerable question. <laughs> Have you ever tried to answer that question? You can go way out there. But it was the fire burning in me until one I finally, I finally surrendered to the fire. And all my Christian life, this is the truth, I can honestly say, all my Christian life, I've had that fire in me. All my Christian life, I had this, I've had this burning in me. Not, it's like, I got, I, you know, Lord, I just want to be with you. You know, when I was a little boy, I used to cry when my daddy would go to work. He would work second shift, and I would start crying because he was leaving, because I wanted to be with my daddy. And he used to drive me from the backyard to the front yard in the car. Just drive me, and then he'd back up, and just drive me until I stopped crying. He'd have to get, get ready to go to work early. Get this boy, calm down. It's going to be all right. I'm going to be back in the morning when you wake up. I'll be right there for you because I just love my daddy. I, lo- I worship my daddy. And you see, God has put that in all of They were telling us this. Everybody in this room has that fire in them to just love and be with Him and hang around with Him. In all my Christian life, I've always wanted that. I couldn't accept something that didn't give me that. You know, maybe for a little while I'd drift over into that world and I'd realize, no, this, this is not it. I don't want this. You know, I want Him. I've got to be with Him. I want to be around Him. I want, to, I want to do what He's doing. I don't want to just accept some menial Christian life. That's the fire, and everybody in this room has that fire. They were telling you the truth. When she's saying out, your mind tells you you don't have the fire. You do. Tell your mind you're a liar. You know, your sorrow tells you, I don't have the fire. Yes, you do. You have it. Tell your sorrow, you're lying to me, I have the fire. Isn't that, well, that was a powerful word for people in this room this morning. Some of you feel bad about yourself because you're I'm not, I'm not fired for the Lord. I'm, yes, you are. You are very fire. You got you got Holy Ghost fire in you. It's in you. If you just agree with it and quit agreeing with your mind or quit agreeing with your circumstances. Isn't that good? Thank you, Jesus, for the fire. That's what happened when Jesus spoke in Luke twenty four to the men on the road to Emmaus. Remember that story? And he was telling them the scripture. He was talking to them about the scripture. That's that washing that I was talking about. Okay, the church being washed. Jesus saying, hey, this is me in the Bible. Suddenly he was pulling those words back and showing those guys a person. And when they finally saw him, they said, oh God, our hearts were on fire. When he was talking to us, he had set a fire in those boys' hearts that moment. That's what happens when he washes us. A fire gets in us. Isn't that powerful? That's a powerful thought. That's what you live for. That's what we live for. It's it's that to say, oh my goodness, when he unveils himself. It's like, oh, it was worth it. It was all worth it. Anyways, are y'all okay? 
the other thing, the build up, the rebuild, the renovation, the revive, the renew, the restore, I've got to get a hold of all that. Everything. Everything that's been lost. Everything that's been lost. I believe with all my heart God's looking for people who will take a stand and say, everything that's been lost from my generation all the way back. I want it back. I'm going to find out how to get it back, Lord. I want it. Not only do I want it for me, I want it for my children, my grandchildren. And I also want it for my brothers and sisters who have nothing, who have nothing. I want it for them. And I'm going to figure out how to get it. If I had to go into the pit of hell, you know, I've heard these stories about the trophy room in hell where people have gone and they've stolen stuff from people. Okay? They've stolen things. They've stolen mantles. They've stolen this. They've stolen that. And the Lord has sent certain people down there in that room to get stuff back. Well, I'm telling you, I'm going to get my stuff back. That's I said, Lord, I will go into hell if I... Because if you send me, I'm going to worry about it. Nobody can get me there. Nobody can. If I've got stuff that belongs to my family line that I need, my children's need, and my natural brothers and sisters' needs, I will bl- gladly go down there and just walk right in there and just tell everybody, if you mess with me, I'm throwing fire on you. You think you got bad fire here? Wait till the Holy Ghost fire gets on you. Now, I wouldn't dare do that apart from the Lord sending me. But I believe it's true. I believe, I believe it's down there. I'm really tr- seeking the Lord about how to really do that. I've seen it in the spirit realm of going into the pit and getting. Well, here's what the Lord asked me one day. I was in a place, and he said, What do you want, Byron? Now, I said, Lord, why am I here? He said, what do you want? I said, I want the memories from my childhood. And you know what, Lord? There's a few toys that were mine that I liked when I was little, and I want them back. That's what I told him. Toys. There's a couple of toys I had that I really wish I had today that got, I don't know what happened to them. I said, I want those back, Lord. He said, well, go get them. He showed me a pit. I thought, ugh. I got to go through the toilet hole to get to them? It was where a toilet was at. i got to go down there. Lord, you're going to have to help me with this for a while. We're going to have to work through this. I'm going to have to study this in the Scripture. i got to get more revelation before I go down there in that toilet. <laughs> Anyways, it's able to build you up and give you an inheritance. Listen to this. Give you an inheritance among all those who are sanctified. Give you God in the Word of His grace. How many people here have an inheritance in the natural? Raise your hand. Well, a couple of people do. Y'all some pitiful people. I got an inheritance from my mama, okay? I didn't even think I was getting She died a few months ago. So I get this letter from the clerk of Superior Court of Richmond County, Ruth Wicker's estate, $51.86. And I found out today that I spent $1,500 of my own money bearing her. So I am $1,450 in the hole with my mama right now. <laughs> and I got $51.86. I stuck it up there on my mantelpiece to look at it. For days I looked at it. And you know why? You know, I didn't think I was going to get anything. You know how I got that money? It's after I had that experience with the Lord about going down in the pit. I said, Lord, I need some kind of... I know this is real, Lord. I just need you to sort of show me something in the natural that you're speaking to me about this. Just show me. And three days later, I get this letter in the mail. Well, it wasn't, 50, it wasn't five million. <laughs> it would have been a much. Oh wow! This is God. This experience has got five million dollars. It was fifty-one dollars and eighty-six cents. 
So what am I going to do with this $51.86? I am going to give my inheritance away. I'm going to give 100% of my inheritance. Now, if it was $5,186,000, I might be thinking, how about 10%, Lord? <laughs> you, you can do 10. Let me keep the rest, please. But I, I'm going to give this to something my mama would really love. My mama loves children. I'm going to give it to some ministry to children. But I'm giving my entire inheritance away. You know what $51.86 is to the Lord? It's everything. It's like $500 billion to the Lord. You know? It's like, it doesn't, you know, money, you know, you can give $100, and the person beside you can give $5, and they gave way more than you gave. Because God doesn't look at things the way man does. Remember that woman? In the, Old, in the New Testament, they were given money, and, and she gave two cents. And Jesus said she gave more than everybody because she gave all she had. I'm not law to me for giving $51.86. That's nothing to law about. But I am telling you this. There's an inheritance spiritually that everybody in this room has that is incredible. That God wants us to really come into. It is grace. It's, it's the Word. It's God who owns the inheritance, who owns everything. And it's the word of his grace that brings you into the, all the inheritance that there is. Okay? Is that an okay thought? Yeah. Just got to stand up. I want to pray for you. <clears throat> One of the keys for coming into grace is really this. Paul said this, that when he came to the end of the storehouses of his own strength, and that's really how we get it. It's really the, the doorway into that room of grace is really coming to the end because, see, really what keeps us out is all this self-effort, self-sufficiency, doing it in our own strength. See, Paul really had a reason to boast. He's very educated. You know, he's a Pharisee of Pharisees. He had a reason, but he laid it all down because, you know, really, he didn't really want to go that way. He ended up, remember when he said, I asked the Lord three times to take away this thorn in the flesh, and God didn't remove it. And that's when he said, you know, I found this out, that my, your grace is sufficient in my weakness. Your power is made perfect. So that's really what I feel like in order for us to come in to that realm of grace, we really do have to let go of self-sufficiency. It's the way we get there. And that's how we get our inheritance, really, is by, it really is by grace. So are you guys ready? Yes. Say, Lord, we're just, yes. <laughs> just got a grace message. That's great. So, Lord, we just ask you right now, Lord, we really say this, first of all, we don't understand grace. We don't fully understand it, Lord. And we're just asking you, Father, today that you would just come, Lord, just we are at, Lord, I believe this. You've shown me this, that grace and glory are married. We get the glory by grace. Mm, I just felt that. Woo, did y'all feel that? <laughs> and see, that's what it is. It's unmerited. You can't, it's all this is about unmerited. It's not by any effort of our own. We have to put that down. There's no effort in this. We have to let go of it, Lord, so that your glory can prevail in our midst, Lord God, where this is not about us at all, Lord God. So we're asking you, Lord, for, Lord, just a new 
level of grace revelation to come into River Life Fellowship. We're just asking for that, Lord, to teach us how to let go of our own sufficiency, Lord God. Lord, the trying and the striving and all of that would just, Lord, we get loose from that so we can really abound in your grace and your glory, Lord. Whoa. We're just asking for that today. Let it come, Lord. Let it come. Let it come, Lord. Mm. Yeah. See, I'm really, see, I sense right now that when I talk about letting go of self-sufficiency, a wall goes up. <laughs> it's a religious spirit. It really, really is. Because we've been told our whole life that we've got to perform and we've got to do stuff and we, you know, it's all about us. We really, Lord, ask you to break us from what Paul called a spell, Lord. Who has bewitched us? Lord, break us from that spell, Lord God, of who has bewitched us, Lord, that we feel like we've got to try and strive with you, Lord. Just cleanse us from that, Lord. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Yeah, trust and believe. Come, Holy Spirit. Revelation. Come, flow in us, Lord. Let it flow. Let that revelation of grace just flow. That river flow, Lord. That sapphire blue river that's flowing from your throne, O oh Lord, that is only by the blood of Jesus. Lord, we just say that we confess, Lord. I want you to do this. Lord, we've confessed that we have relied on ourselves in many ways. Lord, we just say right now we want to put down self-effort, performance. Lord, we ask you to forgive us that our relationship with you has been based